Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We got all the guys with us today. Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. Hey guys, how are you? Great. Doing great, Bob. Good. Always good catching up with you. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, A couple of different things. Most of the podcast is going to be talking about the legacy of Dr. Fauci. Uh, How does he belong in the history books? We're going to analyze all things Fauci. But before we do, we're going to talk about the big student loan forgiveness deal. We're recording this episode on Wednesday morning. So as of this recording, President Biden has not yet announced, but he's expected to announce sometime today through executive order that he is basically forgiving student loan debt. Uh, for people making a, up to $125,000 a year, they'll be able to have up to $10,000 of student let, student loan debt basically forgiven, paid off by the government, which of course is by the taxpayer. And I, I look at this and I, I, there's just a few different questions that come to mind. And so I want to toss out to you guys some of the questions I was thinking about. First of all, number one, how is this not clearly, blatantly trying to buy votes and energize young Democrats right before the midterm elections? That's clearly what this is. But then a few other basic questions I have. Uh, first of all, since the overwhelming majority of college students are Democrat voters, how is this not a favor for your fellow Democrat voters? Next question. Since the overwhelming majority of Christian college and seminary students tend to be Republican voters, uh, would it be okay for a future Republican president to, by executive order, pay off seminary and ministry school debt? Also, why student loan debt and not any other kinds of debt. Also, how is this not rewarding people who did not pay off their debts, but punishing people who did? I mean, should the people who responsibly paid off their student loan debt, are they entitled now to a refund? Okay, How insulting this is for, uh, for the janitor in a college who uh, didn't go to college, and now he, through his tax dollars, has to pay off the student loan debt, okay, of the professor or somebody there that's his boss. And also, I got to ask, since college graduates are going to be able to make the money that the degree provided them, should they be allowed then to keep all of their income? Shouldn't they have to pay higher taxes? I mean, think about it. If I invest money in a stock or a business, should I be entitled to have my original investment money returned to me? By, uh, by the taxpayer, but then still keep the value of that stock. I just, I don't know how uh, this is, how paying off student loan debt is not having the government pay for a whole new generation of indoctrinated, secular, left-wing, liberal ideology. It's the government paying to create a whole new generation of liberals. So to me, everything about this is just flat out wrong. Uh, that's my rant. Let's go around the table. Uh, John, maybe we can start with you. John Rush, Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado. Your thoughts on this student loan debt that President Biden is saying, oh, by the way, here, let's have the taxpayer pay this off for you. Yeah, it make, makes my blood boil. It's just, it's wrong on every level. And, you know, I don't want to hear the excuse that, well, they didn't know what they were getting into. They didn't know what they were signing up for. They didn't realize this. They didn't realize that. You know, I used the example the other day of people that make mistakes. You know, I'm a car guy. You guys know that. So people make mistakes buying cars all the time. They get into loans they shouldn't. They buy cars they shouldn't. You know, they get into excessive debt. They roll over what was what was in the old trade. They couldn't pay off into the new car and on and on we go. There's just financial mistakes they make on a daily basis. Does that mean that every single person in the country that makes a financial mistake like that, we just go in and forgive what they did? Right. This is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard, Bob. 
Yeah, well, it's look, all about votes. You're right. All about why, votes. Yeah. Why can't I just go buy more house than I need? Go, oh, I made a mistake. And so therefore have the government pay off my mortgage, which is really you, John, and your neighbors and everybody else Precisely. Uh, that would be paying off my debt. No, this is absolutely buying votes. It's three months before the election. Yes, I know. And by the way, they, they, they pushed it off until now because they were talking about doing this right. even a year ago. Well, it's in- interesting. They wait until, you know, two to three months right before the election to do this now. Oh, I know. Well, you know, he campaigned on it, so they're going to argue, well, this is just fulfilling a campaign promise. Okay, then why did you table this campaign promise until right. two and a half That's months right. before the midterm That's elections right. when you guys are on the verge of potentially losing? You need to energize your liberal left-wing base, and 18-year-old votes count just the same as 45-year-old yep. votes, yep. and the Democrats know that. Oh, this is such a sham, and using the government it's a slimy way, way to get votes, let's just say that. And if you're on the other side, you should be ashamed of yourselves. That's uh, kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, Roger Marsh, what do you think? Uh, of course, the bottom line, the People's Republic of California. Hey, this kind of stuff is just par for the course, just an average Wednesday in California. <laughs> Absolutely. What day is it? It's California. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. especially when we're so used to seeing the handouts, we're so used to seeing the freebies, especially to anybody but taxpaying citizens, that when something like this comes up, it's just par for the course. But let's take a look at what President Biden is doing compared to what his boss did back in, you know, when he was running for office. When Barack mm-hmm. Obama was on the campaign trail, remember, he was the guy who hadn't taken any sort of, you know, uh, handouts from the special interest groups. He was on the help committee, the Senate uh, health, education, labor, whatever, that that whole bit. And it looked like he was going to be the guy who was going to reform pensions, right? Total student mm-hmm. loan debt 2008 was about $450 mil- billion. And all of a sudden, he takes over, federalizes the system, and what happens? A Billion new dollars of student loan debt winds up showing up on the books. Now we're you know one and a half. We're we're getting close to the we're getting the T word is starting to show up, and all of a sudden the average college student in America who graduated with seventeen thousand dollars in student loan debt in two thousand eight in twenty seventeen they graduated with thirty five thousand dollars in student loan debt. So uh, federalizing the system, it's been great for the federal government, and now it just seems like President Biden's coming in going, well, okay, we we get to play with this thing whatever we want to. We can give and we can take away and we can you know this. I mean, it, it's so blatant. And the saddest thing about this is I wonder how many people actually realize how little this will impact them in terms of any sort of benefit, but how much it will impact them in terms of, wait, weren't we just trying to reduce inflation? I mean, didn't we just pass that Inflation right. Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation at all? Where is all this money going to come from, brothers and sisters? I mean, the $10,000 per student is going to be basically spitting on a forest fire for your student loan debt. But how many young people are going to go to the polls going, hey, I get free college. Yeah, I'll go ahead and borrow. Yeah, I'll vote for those guys. And it's just, it's, I hang my head in shame that this is happening. It's just, it's really disgusting. And uh, John, I echo your sentiments 100%. It's bad. Uh, you got $300 billion on the low end. Some reports are showing as high as potentially $900 billion. But so you take hundreds of billions of dollars of new government expense and you hoist that on the American public during a recession when we've got eight, nine, 10% inflation in this country. It is insane but real quick bob which means between in the last roughly month between what we sent to ukraine what we did with the with the inflation reduction act which it is not and this we're another two trillion dollars in debt how does this help inflation yeah, it, it does not. We're going to get well. Neil it's Trump's Bar- fault, John. It's Trump's fault, obviously. <laughs> no, I mean, this is true. Re- Come on. on, it's all. If Donald Trump had never been elected, if Donald <laughs> Trump had never been born, we wouldn't have the extra true. two trillion dollars in debt. Yeah, so come on. Let's stop the hate, guys. Everything is Trump's fault. We know that. Going to get Neil Boron in on this in just a moment. Before we do, though, you know, when you listen to this podcast, one of the things that you know about us is that we are all, all four of us, staunchly pro-life. And I know most of you listening to us or watching us, you're pro-life too. You care about that. Well, I just want to ask you, if I can be blunt, how much skin do you have in the game? Okay. Is there a practical thing that you can do to actually really stop abortions? Do you know there is? You hear us talk about it every day uh, on this podcast. It's partnering with Preborn. You see, Preborn is a pro-life ministry that for a long time has partnered with pro-life pregnancy centers all around the country to show ultrasound images of those babies to the expectant moms. And we know statistically those moms choose life, let their babies live 80% of the time when they see an ultrasound image. But it takes money to produce these ultrasound images. So here's what we're looking at, folks. $28 
is the average cost to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion. So we're asking everybody, if you enjoy this podcast, we appreciate you listening to us. We're asking you, would you right now make a one-time donation of $280 and stop 10 abortions? Now, look, if you could do $2,800 and stop 100 abortions, that's great. But $280, 10 abortions, wouldn't that be a great legacy to have in your family or business? Here's how easy it is. You just go online right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and click on the Preborn tab. And you can donate right there online. And 100% of what you donate goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. And it's all a tax write-off for you too. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. Or just call them and you can donate over the phone. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So what do you say, huh? Uh, do it right now. Let's save some babies' lives. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, talking about first the student loan debt forgiveness that President Biden is doing this week. And then we're going to move into all things Fauci with him announcing his retirement, non-retirement. Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Your thoughts on the student loan debt just being forgiven for a whole bunch of young liberals out there that, unless I'm missing something, everybody out there who responsibly paid off their student loan debt has to be going, wow, really? Seriously? Yeah, I don't know who's going to benefit by this except people who hope to get votes as a result of handing out free money. I, I'm not an economist, and I really didn't like economics in school, but I do remember seeing pictures of people in Europe during hyperinflation standing in line with wheelbarrows full of money trying to buy a loaf of bread. And where does that stuff come from? It comes from poor economic decisions that lead to inflation. So, you know, the Wall Street Journal ran an opinion piece on this whole thing. Their editorial board called this the Inflation Expansion Act. <laughs> you know, the old, this whole <laughs> student loan forgiveness thing, it teaches irresponsibility. It's vote grabbing at its worst. And I think it's horrible for the American people and the American economy. Like, we're in huge trouble. By the way, how is this legal? Like, the president's just allowed to forgive student loan debt. There's no act of Congress necessary. There's there's no pushback from elected officials on this kind of stuff. And I certainly hope that however many people go to the polls to say, hey, we really like the free handout, so we want to vote for Democrats in the upcoming election, that other thinking Americans, Republicans and Democrats together, who've who've gone the hard road of taking out a student loan and paying every penny back because that's the right thing to do, that, that they will remember this at the polls as well and, you know, and push back on it by voting against this kind of thing in the future. This is horrible for our economy. It's horrible for our nation. Right. Well, and actually, Neil, as as I was mentioning before, how is how would this be any different than a Republican president two and a half months before a critical election suddenly saying, by executive order, I'm going to take a block of America that overwhelmingly votes Republican, and I'm just going to forgive their debt. All right, I'm just going to say, but by the way, any church mortgages out there, we're forgiving your mortgages. Since I know yeah, right. 90% of the people in there are going to vote Republican, so you know what? Let's say, we'll forgive your mortgages. And while we're at it, seminary school, that's good. If you want to, your mortgages are forgiven. I mean, you could take uh, pro-life centers, okay? If you're a pro-life organization and you took out a mortgage, we're paying off your mortgages right now. To basically, Neil, offer this favor to your own voting block with everybody's tax dollars, there would be impeachment hearings, congressional investigations, sure. and everything else. But, but Neil, it's, it's, like, it's, it's just another day in America when the Democrats do this. Yeah, I was going to say that very thing. I mean, there'd be protests in the streets. There'd be a flurry yeah. of lawsuits from members of Congress, which is why I think Republicans and conservatives, uh, conservatives are sometimes just too nice. Like, just try to imagine if, if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be everything that you've described and more. Mm-hmm. I know it, it really would. Which, uh, Roger, you do have to, you do have to wonder what if this were the other way around. I mean, what if? And by the way, I would not want a future Republican president to do this. I would not want Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or somebody in twenty twenty five 
or actually, well, really, we'll say 2026, coming up to the midterms, to say, hey, let's get a big favor out there with executive order to a bunch of our voting blocks and take taxpayer dollars to return some favors and buy some votes and energize them. First of all, I don't think this is the kind of thing that would energize a conservative base anyway, but it wouldn't be right. No, it w- certainly wouldn't be right. I, w- I would want to support a Republican candidate or any candidate, quite frankly, who would ask the question, how did we get to this point where you have right. to borrow so much money in the first place to go to school? I mean, when you look at the inflation rate, with the exception of <clears throat> excuse me, the last couple of years, um, the inflation rate, of course, we know it's you know close to double digits. But prior to that, it was 2%, you know, something like that. Why did the cost of college education go up 8% every year? Why over the past 20 years has the cost of a four-year degree gone up 136%? And Christian schools are not off the hook either. I mean, quite frankly, as long as there's money to be had and student loans to get, more the, the colleges are more than willing to stand there with their hands out. The academic side, the administrative side, all increasing in salaries, adding more staff. My goodness, don't get me started on the community college and state university systems here in the People's Republic of California because there's so many layers of bureaucracy here and everyone's getting their nest feathered. I mean, so the reality is the federal government provides this opportunity, which the, through the loan program that they federalized. So I guess that's the answer to why the, the Biden administration feels like they can giveth and taketh away in this case. But the idea that, you know, someone would run on this and say, oh, by the way, campaign promise and two months before the election and we moved all of our primaries back. What, New York just had theirs yesterday? Come on, the election's in four weeks or whatever. I mean, why are you having your primaries so close to the election? Because they, you know, let's make it as easy as we can for our people to win. And that's the way they try to stack the deck. It's not working in their favor right now. So they got to pull out the stops. They're Planned Parenthood fundraising has kind of worked for them with the Roe versus Wade being overturned. Now this is one more uh, arrow in the quiver that the Biden administration wants to pull. And quite frankly, I I don't honestly believe that there are enough Americans who are going to fall for it, but I, I, I may be wrong on that one. Well, you know, it, it, John, it does seem that uh, colleges, they really are a progressive Democrat voter manufacturing plants. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they pretty much produce uh, the next generation yep. of Democrat voters. And right. it's just, it seems to me this is today's Democratic Party of we're going we're gonna to cheat, we're going to do whatever we need to do to perpetuate our future power and future control. So illegal immigrants, come on into this country illegally. We'll give you open borders. We'll right. set up sanctuary cities and states. Uh, we'll get you on the government dime. And then don't worry about it. You're not going to have to pay for it. You don't have to follow the rules. We'll just have you as a future voting block. And it's the same thing. Let's get as many people to college as we can because we know colleges are going to turn them into a bunch of liberals. They're going to be votes for us. It'll perpetuate our power. And let's just get, let's just keep feeding that. And that just seems to be today's Democratic party uh we're setting the stage for perpetual power by increasing our voting block with everybody else's money we are and this is one where yes they will definitely gain votes off of this the question though that i was thinking home would go is do they lose some on others in other words even that liberal voter that paid all of their college debt and now are watching this happen does that you know Hmm. does that somehow irritate them enough to where they're thinking wait a minute how how is this might have turned him conservative, fair? John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might I mean, make him go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> especially those that are a little bit older that, as we all know, as you start to get a little older, you typically start to think a little bit more right. conservatively anyway. So will this, in a way, you know, backfire when it comes to some of those voters? And guys, I don't have the answer, but to your point, Bob, when, when this is allowed to happen and you perpetuate the things that it's doing, you wonder, can it ever be stopped? Right, you do wonder. All right, so it looks like we're all on the same page with this. We're going to shift the conversation on for the rest of the podcast. Talk all things Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, of course, announced he is retiring, not retiring. He's stepping down, but says he's moving on to the next chapter in his life. What does that mean? But how do we... Uh, contextualize, understand, and define Dr. Fauci, and how should he go down in the history books? We'll get into all of that coming up next. Uh, First, though, I want to remind everybody, we continue to ask you, if you have not donated yet to Preborn, please do that now, because we are on a mission to stop as many abortions as possible. You think just because Roe v. Wade is overturned that abortions aren't happening? They are. And the pro-abortion side is more active than ever, folks. That means we need to be more active than ever. 
Now, preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers showing ultrasound images of the babies to the expectant moms. And you know that that, that causes those moms to say, hey, I'm not going to abort this baby. I'm going to let this baby live. But it takes money. It takes $28 on average to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion. That's why we ask you, right now, this very minute, would you donate $280 one time to preborn to be responsible for saving 10 babies' lives? Look, Preborn is a great ministry. They've been doing this for a long time. Just to give you an idea, last year alone, 2021, Preborn was responsible for saving the lives of 43,669 babies. And you know, along the way, there were 7,986 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among those moms. Is that worth $280? What do you say? There's two ways that you can donate. First way, just do it right online. You can go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You can donate right there. 100% of the proceeds go right to ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. And it's a tax write-off for you. The other way is just call over the phone. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call right now to 833-850-BABY and donate right over the phone. But would you do this? And by the way, if there's anybody out there that maybe you run a business or God's blessed you financially, we need some of you to buy full ultrasound machines. They're 15 grand. It's a tax write-off for your business. Would somebody out there donate $15,000 one time and you'll be responsible for stopping thousands of abortions. Think about that. So go to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Roger and Neil and myself, Bob. All right, let's shift it over to Dr. Fauci now. Dr. Anthony Fauci has announced that he is stepping down from his role as the head of infectious diseases at the NIH and the presidential advisor on, on health and such. You know, there's a lot of different aspects to talk about Dr. Fauci, but I want to first address the timing of this. Uh, I personally believe, and, and Roger, let me start with you. I know this sounds cynical, but... Dr. Fauci, he's got to know that the Republicans are poised to take back control of the House, if not possibly the Senate, this November, which means they would be sworn in the first week in January, which means the beginning of January, the Republicans would then control the congressional investigative committees, and they would decide what hearings and what investigations are going to take place. And what a coincidence, Dr. Fauci says, I'm going to be leaving in December. All right, so right before the Republicans get power, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of Dodge. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be called to testify, but my personal opinion, I think the timing of this is let me get out before the Republicans are in power. And I think Dr. Fauci knows that his legacy is horribly stained, Roger. You think? I mean, so I, I can't believe they honestly think that the American people are that dumb, that we can't figure this out. The elections mm -hmm. in November, you make the announcement saying I've timed it for December, and then the new Congress shows up. I mean, he's really hedging his bet. If for some reason the Republicans don't do the red wave thing that we all anticipate they're going to do, and the Democrats hold Congress, then he can hang around for a little bit. He'll unretire. Exactly. Right. Put, a, right. put on the exactly. cape again, savior of the world, you know, get the white horse out again. You know, here he comes to save the day. But the mm -hmm. reality is we, we know. And what was the statement they made last year? There was some Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. And they said that that he was untruthful or something like that. And one of the statements they made, I thought, oh, my gosh, the cover that this guy has had from the press. I mean, the, the, the day that he makes the announcement, of course, all the Democrat talking heads are all over the media saying we owe Dr. Fauci a debt of gratitude. We would be sunk if it weren't for his leadership, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, Deborah Burks is over in the corner saying, hey, wait a minute. We knew that this uh, vaccine wasn't going to stop anything. We knew the vast thing. We didn't know what we were doing. It just kind of it was it was flexible. It wasn't settled science. And, and under his leadership, it got even worse. But first, it was Francis Collins all of a sudden up and retiring from the NIH last 
December, like three days before Christmas? Why do you just make that announcement and then hop back into BioLogos and say, remember, I'm a Christian and everybody loves me? I mean, both of these guys have blood on their hands. And quite frankly, I, I think it would be so helpful for the American people to see a congressional hearing. You think the January 6th caucus hearings and committee hearings have been, quote unquote, beneficial. Just wait till we get into the uh, gain of function and National Institute of Health and CDC debacle that would all right. launch because of this pandemic. It's ridiculous. Well, uh, John, let me ask you about that. Uh, John Rush, of course, rushed to reason out of Denver, Colorado. It seems to me that there should be congressional investigative hearings into this at a minimum yep. to find out why did you use taxpayer money to fund gain-of-function research in yep. China and then why did you lie about it under oath before Congress? It seems to me there's some legitimate things. And that's not that's before we even get to uh, – all of the health policy that he was very instrumental in basically uh, recommending. But we got about 60 seconds to the break, John. Your thoughts on whether there should be yes. ingress- investigative hearings. That's an easy one. Yes, and then add on that the layers of all of the problems we're now seeing with the vaccine that he also pushed and promoted and was very much a part of as well. And, and the folks that are just literally dropping dead right now as we speak, we see it every day. You know, we're not seeing all of the folks that aren't well-known, but we're seeing enough among the well-known individuals that you know it's affecting folks that aren't well-known. So th- th- trust me, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg on that end of things as well. Oh, I know. Well, th- there's got to be there's got to be hearings on this. There really have to be. And this is where... This guy is a crook, a criminal. He should be oh. behind bars, period. You know something? The the damage that he inflicted on America. And by the way, he's out to, he's trying to rewrite history right now. He, he's yep. doing interviews saying that I never called for anything to be shut down. He he's on camera he's in October of twenty twenty, bragging about the fact that his exact words, I recommended to the president we shut the country down. Okay. Yep. Those are his exact words. And then now he basically is like his feeble Jedi mind tricks. These aren't the droids you're looking for. I never said that we should cut the, shut the country down. I never recommended any such thing. We didn't. I didn't say we should shut anything down. You are lying through your teeth. Yep. And you got to remember, this country went through a lot of damage over the course of the last two and a half years because they listened to this guy and his recommendations. I think he's got to answer for that. All right, we are going to dive into and unpack all things Fauci in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Now, if you're not able to listen to the second half on your regular radio station, listen online. You can go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. And you can listen to us there as well as past episodes. Uh, also, we encourage you, wherever else you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, we thank you for your five-star reviews. And if you'd like to watch video of this, you can also do that at My Hope Now. But the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys. Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Uh, the second half of the podcast, we're talking about all things Dr. Anthony Fauci after announcing that he was stepping down from his role. Uh, how, how does he... Let's talk, guys. Let's go around the table and talk about how he goes down in history. Now, I was, I was thinking about some of the, some of the things about uh, Dr. Fauci and how he's been perceived. Neil, he's been perceived by so many on the left as some kind of ultimate guru of infinite knowledge and wisdom. And I'm like, wait a minute here. This guy has had so many inconsistencies, so many flip-flops. He was against masks and he was for them. He moved the goalposts repeatedly. We went from flattening the curve to we can't have enough restrictions as long as we have COVID. The gain-of-function stuff that uh, that he funded put his signature on it. And then, of course, he denied that that happened. And so many other things as well, dismissing natural immunity, pushing the vaccine, vaccines, uh, not being honest about how COVID is not really dangerous for children. It's less dangerous than the flu is for children. And just so many other different issues inflating the COVID death numbers. 
And of course, his arrogance declaring himself as science. If you disagree with me, you're disagreeing with science. You have to be kidding me. Uh, I think that uh, history should not be kind at all to Dr. Fauci. But Neil, your thoughts on how many in the left in this country just see him as the ultimate last word on truth and wisdom? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, by the way, Dr. Fauci blinded me with science, just so you know. Huh. Um, and I think, honestly, nobody asked me the question earlier about his early departure, you know, in December, but I really think he's just hanging on for a Christmas bonus. I mean, we would all do the same, right? <laughs> hey, think sure. But, um, you know, as far as his legacy, he's got a pretty storied career uh, in terms of his record. I mean, I think he first broke into all of this back during the Johnson administration or something, and then he eventually sort of rose to prominence during the AIDS thing in the early 1980s. Um, so he's been around a long time, and you would think that he would want to retire with a legacy intact, but I think he knows full well that he was pretending over the last two and a half years, because as Roger referred to it earlier, uh, nobody really officially knew exactly what was going on, although they got in front of the camera every day and pretended that they did. I mean, they, they t tried to assure the American people mm -hmm. that they knew exactly what was going on. But the reason they were moving the goalposts and changing their tune every other day was because they were trying to figure this thing out as well. Now, I'm not cutting them slack because I, I also think perhaps that Dr. Fauci wasn't speaking on his own accord. I think he was speaking for uh, Big Pharma and he was speaking for liberals and progressives and communists and who else i don't know globalists there was there was more going on in the covid thing than just uh just an infectious disease that needed to be dealt with okay and but that's, that's not then it's, then you're admitting basically he, he didn't follow the science he followed the politics no a hundred he didn't follow any science because nobody right. really knew what the science was they're still trying to figure it out to some degree but on the other hand what i'm saying is that he was following a narrative i mean he was he was in front of the camera you know here's the thing during the midst of a crisis, I mean, I'm thinking of George W. right now, the day after 9-11, you know, appears in New York City, got to appear strong, you got to be presidential. I mean, this is part of what it is to be in politics and to lead a nation and be in front of a camera and stuff. Well, he was the, he was the guy thrown in front of the camera, maybe willingly or not, I'm not sure, but it was his role to get in front of a camera and speak to the American people. But I also think he was not necessarily, he wasn't represent science at all. He was representing a narrative that said, hey, we got this under control. And if you know what's good for you, you'll just shut up and do what we say. And early on, maybe trying to placate people saying, oh, it's just two weeks. We're going to flatten the curve. That turns into two and a half years and businesses, thousands of businesses going going under the economy mm -hmm. in shambles, you know, the uh, the entire working class of the American people upside down now. Uh, you can't find workers to go back to work. I mean, it's it's crazy what's transpired, not only in America, but in the world. And this guy represented supposedly knowledge and wisdom and, you know, reasonable truth that if you just follow this guy, everything's going to be fine. It's unreal, too. And the last thing I want to say, I know I've talked a long time here, but it's unreal that that the American people will sit in front of the television every single day and absorb this stuff. And I think largely people did. I mean, there was people hanging on David Muir on ABC News every single night as he led with a coronavirus story. I was in shock, by the way, that, that any story could, could dominate the news for more than two years. It was unbelievable. But, but the goalposts kept moving. And the, quote, science kept changing. And people just continued to accept it. Like, wow, these guys are so smart. I guess we should just keep our masks on because they said that we should, even though there were others, uh, reputable, reasonable, you know, well-respected scientists and doctors stepping up and going, no, this is unnecessary. What you guys are asking us to do is 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 not going to help the american people and it's actually going to destroy our economy and no mention of natural immunity during the whole thing like no attempt to listen to outside voices or to have a discussion about this or to receive you know uh any science related to stuff like herd immunity and natural immunity just crush it all because we've got this thing under control and i i'm amazed that the american people will overlook all that and then you know herald him as a champion as he rides off into the sunset just mm -hmm. prior to the investigations that begin in january no oh, i know well and john i when neil says you know the the science is changing uh, 
they would claim the science is changing, but it really wasn't. I mean, just no. one of those issues, okay, masks, for example. Uh, Dr. Fauci, nobody can get away with saying, well, he was on a learning curve, you know, learning about COVID. No, he'd been an infectious disease expert for 50 years, okay? He dealt with plenty of COVID viruses over his career, and he knew the size of the COVID virus droplets, and he also knew the size relative to the openings in the cloth masks that they could get through. As Senator Rand Paul uh, famously said, trying to stop a COVID virus with a, ma- a cloth mask is like trying to catch a fly with a chain link fence. Uh, Dr. Fauci knew that. He knew that the the uh, virus itself was going to pass through masks, and that's the reason why he went on 60 Minutes on March 8th, 2020, and declared, I don't know why anybody would be walking around wearing a mask. It's not going to protect you from COVID. And then uh, he changed that, and suddenly, oh, you got a double mask. But hold on a minute. If you look, he also sent a private email to a friend of his saying, don't bother wearing a mask. It's not going to stop you from, from from COVID. It's not going to stop that. So he knew full well. And by the way, the size of the virus did not change. Nope. The, the, the mesh of the cloth uh, masks did not change. So the math is the same. He knows that. Just on this one issue of masks, he flip-flopped on this and didn't follow the science. He followed the politics, let alone everything else, John. Yeah, it... it, it. I don't have anything to add. I mean, that's literally what he did. There, there's been no science, in my opinion, involved whatsoever. And I, you know, I was saying very early into all of this, way back when. I mean, this is also a guy. Keep in mind, everybody needs to realize this as well. This is a guy that I'm not sure ever has seen an actual patient in his entire life. He's been more on the research and development end of things than ever what goes on in the real world when it comes to treating you know, patients, clients, and so on. So again, th- this is a guy that really does not live in the real world at all, yet told the entire real world how to live. Yeah, well, yeah. then he showed up at a Major League Baseball game not wearing a mask. But, right. you know, this, but Bob, just to piggyback uh, on what you said, uh, so was he speaking of his own accord, or what? Did he eventually become a puppet for big tech and everybody else? You know, a big pharma. I mean, uh, and the federal government and progressives and, and globalists. Because if he didn't believe that masks were necessary early on, and he knew the size of you know the the, the aerosol virus floating in the air, the whole thing, that masks weren't going to work. Then why all of a sudden did he change his tune? And I think it's because he was being forced to say these things by other people, Disagree. maybe in okay. full cooperation. Disagree. But it. But Neil, there was a. This wasn't Fauci acting that. alone. Yeah, you know what? No, I, I got to disagree with you here. I'm going to push back on that. I don't think he was being forced to do anything. I think he is a typical liberal left-wing. Right. He is a liberal left-wing progressive. And how liberal left-wingers tend to think is, uh, if I've got power, I'm going to utilize that power to push my agenda. That's and right. whatever his agenda is. So is his agenda supporting the pharma, big pharma? Yeah, that's part of his liberal left-wing agenda. So therefore, he's going to use his power to push that. Nobody has to force him to do that. Nobody has to tell him what to say. Uh, he, he has that same ideology. And so what he's going to do, hey, now I'm in a position of power. I, I can actually enforce the ideology uh, that I have. And I can just change what I say based on what the situation is. And he knows full well as a liberal that if he got America masked up, if he increased the amount of fear that people have of COVID, that that strengthens the Democrats, it strengthens liberal ideology, it strengthens uh, people depending upon the government. He knows that full well. So, hey, everybody needs to mask up. That will increase the fear factor. Uh, School's got to be shut down. That's going to increase the fear factor. Everything is a COVID death now. That's going to increase the fear factor. And when you get more Americans in fear, they tend to depend on the government and, hey, take away my liberties and freedoms. I don't care. Just keep me alive with big government and big government spending and you yeah. tell me what to do. That's, that's may, the he, liberal ideology. And I think he just believes that uh, and that's who he is. And so he used his power of his position to further what he personally believes, which happens to coincidentally line up with big pharma, Hollywood and the Democrats. OK, but you're really I mean, you're actually saying you don't believe he was working in concert with anyone else, that he was just the one guy behind the curtain. I think he was the pulling all the strings. Neil, I, he was he was the guy pulling the strings. He was the man. I believe he is the guy that was behind all of it. in the first But not place. listening once, to anyone else. He wasn't walking no, in. Once he got with, rolling and realized how much power he had as head. Of, as head of the, the, you know, really the one of the 
probably the most, you know, outside of, you know, football coaches and things like that, one of the most highest paid federal employees there is. He thought he had all of the power. He was going to assert that power, and that's exactly what he did. I feel like he was the guy really, if you really want to get down to it, I think he was the mastermind behind all of it. Okay, you know, I think of it this way. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, okay, they don't, uh, neither one of them pulls the puppet strings of the other one, all right? They both independently feel that way. uh, Liberals in the media and Democrats, they're not saying what they say because George Soros is telling them to. These happen to be like-minded people, okay, who are, and Anthony Fauci is a like-minded person. He's a like-minded liberal, but he was a liberal that was given tremendous power, and he decided to use his power because he was in a position to do something that your average liberal in America was not in a position to do. And that's alter health policy and use COVID to usher in this new age of, of Marxist socialism and depending on the U.S. government for everything, exploding the size of government and government control. He saw an opportunity to do that. And quite frankly, I think that's what he did, uh, getting cheered on by his fellow liberals in America. Roger Marsh, your, your thoughts on this? I will respectfully disagree. There is no way Anthony Fauci acting by himself is doing all this stuff. This is a Thank global you. event. This is something that got government tentacles all over it. <laughs> the government is using him as their useful idiot. I'm, I'm not saying that he's not drunk with power and not enjoying you know, the press conferences and I get to tell people what to do. But there has to be something connected to the U.S. government that's connected to the Chinese government that's connecting to all the other yeah, governments him. around here. Yep. Him. <laughs> him. <laughs> he, he, you're everything him you way just said, Roger, you're he has, giving him he has way tentacles out to all credit. of those areas. Way too much yep. credit. It's way. Be- yeah. This is the event that they're you marxism yes communism yes that's what they're trying this is the convenient excuse that they needed and he's the useful idiot to spread the message okay hold on to that roger wait (laughs) wait just a second here okay because uh, this is this is an interesting point i want to dive into this okay who is the real you know puppet master here and uh so we're going to get into that but before we do we do have a short break that we need to do very quickly and we got to run in the midst of this debate as important as it is uh we can't forget about saving these babies lives folks and i'm going to ask you again right now okay very quickly if you do not donate yet to preborn please do it now go to crawfordmediagroup.net all right crawfordmediagroup.net Donate to preborn. We're asking for $280, which will stop 10 abortions. That's how they do it at preborn. And of course, bring a bunch of people to Jesus Christ at the same time. So $280, one time, save 10 babies' lives. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab, or just call them right now over the phone. They answer the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 833-850-BABY. All right, 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you folks doing that. So, Roger, when you say that uh, that this is not only Anthony Fauci, I don't think John and I are saying it's only Anthony Fauci. We do believe that he is part of a like-minded chorus, but he, he, he's become the star, if you will. He, he's the most powerful person in the choir. He's now, the, he, he got named the choir director. So right. he's like-minded with the choir. And nobody's saying that he's functioning alone, all right? But if you have a whole bunch of liberal left-wing Marxists, not just here in America, but around the world, all right, then they, they, all, they, they all have this very same philosophy of what they want to achieve. They look at somebody like Anthony Fauci as a hero because he's like, hey, he got power and he's one of us. All right. And so that's why Fauci was able to do this. Yes, it was in concert with a bunch of people, but I don't think Anthony Fauci was taking marching orders from anyone any more than Whoopi Goldberg takes marching orders from Joy Behar. They're like-minded. Just one has more power. Well, you use the analogy of the choir director and him becoming the leader of the group and growing up in an arts family. I know that how important the patrons are behind the people who are actually doing the performing. And so I'm, all I'm saying is, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you that he's not power mad. The, the, I'm just saying let's not get so focused on the Fauci issue to not see the other nations that are involved here. We see what's happened with Canada. Good God, right. you know, in terms of all the lockdowns. Yeah, but they the just jumped on what he, he – they jumped on the roller coaster he started, though, Roger. He's the one that – that pulled the lever to get the thing started. He's the one that started all the gain of function. He was the one that got all the funding. He's the one that was doing it here and then had to, because of Obama, had to move it overseas. This guy's got tentacles everywhere in that world. And of course, 
course, you know, and I've said this numerous times we have on this program as well. Once the medical industry, and sorry, guys, I'm just going to knock on doctors for a moment. Once these guys get some power to where they can make everybody quote unquote safe. Keep in mind, these are guys that would love to have every single person on the planet bubble wrapped to make sure nothing happens to them. As much as I love doctors in the medical community, the reality is that's not how life works, but that's the way they would want you to work life. And once they saw this opportunity that I believe he started, yeah, everybody else jumped on board. No, I that that, that means that it was a lucky break. By, no, know, he, this fa- was orchestrated, Neil. Fauci he, just... Fauci's he just, been working on this for years, decades even. Yeah, what about Bill Gates? Has he worked on this at all? I mean, does anyone well, else have any skin in the game on this? But keep in mind, none of them have the knowledge to how all of this would work behind the scenes other than him. Well, then why did he come out with the, you don't need masks in the beginning? I mean, I think that he's a buffoon in some sense. Like, he's well, he, well, really I'm not smart. Saying, and, I'm not saying that he's the most intelligent guy on the planet. I'm just saying he's the most evil. Okay. Well, uh, per- I'm person, with Roger person, on this way, one. Neil, I don't think the, he was acting alone. I think that they, I think that liberals and progressives, they all read the same playbook, which is why when something big goes down, like, you know, the raid on Mar-a-Lago or whatever, the, the next morning in the press, everybody's saying the exact same thing. I think these Not people compare notes that, behind but the scenes. And it's that old, you know, never let a crisis go to waste, Neil. So, of course, they're all going to jump on board. But somebody has to start it. It just doesn't start on its own. Somebody has to orchestrate it. He's that guy, I believe. Okay, think about this. We have had all we've had pandemics before. We we've had st- we've had things like this that have happened in the past, okay? But COVID came along and I think that Fauci saw this as an opportunity in in my personal opinion. Hey, we can exploit the daylights out of this. And I think there are a lot of other liberal progressives who thought exactly the same way, but Fauci was the face of this. And so since he was the face, he kind of became the spokesperson for advancing Marxism through the guise of keeping people safe. I agree. Uh, And so that's what I really think he became, kind of a worldwide spokesperson for what they all already believed. None of the people, none of these DAs that are getting George Soros money are, are are making their decisions because George Soros tells them to. They're making their decisions because they believe the same thing as George Soros, okay? I, I, I'll tell you what. We work for Crawford Broadcasting, okay? Don Crawford is a Christian. He's a conservative, all right? He's politically God and country, all that kind of stuff, right? The things that we're saying on this show, most of them Don Crawford's going to agree with. But I think we all know Don Crawford doesn't tell us to say any of these things, okay? We're giving our own opinions. They just happen to be consistent with this company. And in the same way, I think that Dr. Fauci's views are consistent with George Soros's and Bill Gates and all the rest of these people that are Marxists. And this was an opportunity to do it. And he was the face that was able to push it forward. When when it became... Uh vaccine madness everybody had to be vaccinated you know let's get everyone vaccinated as quick as possible and a vaccine that donald trump created like what's the connection there the 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 vaccine i think trump is the one who pushed for a vaccine by the end of the year remember that like before it's terminated we got to get it so then fauci was like hey there's a lucky break i think i'll jump on that you know what to a certain extent yes donald trump let's face it donald trump is in some areas traditional establishment in some areas okay well and he got uh, played like, he didn't have the right people around him guys. The, the, yeah that that is true too but uh, donald trump he's not an anti-vaccine guy okay he's a pro-vaccine guy he doesn't have a problem with vaccines now i have that's one of the things i happen to disagree with Trump on. But when Trump is sitting there and he's got Burks and Fauci and sitting around going, hey, you know, vaccines, we need vaccines. This will be the savior of this thing. Trump is like, hey, you know what? Sounds good to me. Okay. And he's not really vested or, or researched into the whole, you know, vaccine concern movement or whatever. So he went along with that ride. And yeah, I do think he got a lot of bad advice from a lot of people, Fauci, Burks, and others. So that's what I think happened. But what Donald Trump did do, Neil, is he said, as Trump does, he said, well, if I decide I'm going to get something done, don't tell me it takes five years to get it done. I'll get it done in a few months. And everybody said, oh, that's impossible. He did get it done. He did get the vaccine out that quickly. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of it. I've never had the COVID vaccine. I will never get it. All right. And it hasn't been long-term tested. And I think there are way more concerns about it than than people are saying, than the CDC and Fauci said. But Trump is a I'm going to get it done kind of person. And he bought into the vaccines and he probably still buys into them and he got it done. 
and I think that that just that's an area where Fauci is like, okay, well, good. He's in line with me there. But for the most part, I think they are on opposite sides on a lot of other things. I'm going to jump in and ask a question. Do we think it's really feasible that the vaccine was created in less than a year? I mean, if they've been working on this virus that they created no. in the lab for since 2014, what not the whole point of getting the virus to get, gain a function, gain control over it, which would mean then they want to create a, a solution to their problem? Uh, this has been in the works for a while, as near as I could tell. They just sped it up with Operation Warp Speed or Overdrive, whatever and, and they again, call it. Goes, okay. they this goes it. back to the whole why I still think he's the mastermind behind all of this. He wants mrna technology he's been working on that you know the nih has been working on that for a number of years if not decades now they want that to be the new delivery system moving forward and is that driven by him gates who knows i i don't know but i can tell you that he has been very closely involved in all of that so roger to your point yes i believe that's been worked on for many many years uh did they get trump's ear and the funding and everything necessary to speed that up into a into a warp speed and get it out to the market much faster than they would have otherwise without having COVID there yes Yes, of course they did. Again, I still go back to, you look at all of these things, and it all still points back to Fauci, guys. All of it does. All right. So, well, let's 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 do this. So we're going to take a, another short break here, and then we're going to continue this discussion. Which, by the way, I'm still having a hard time. I, I tend to call it a vaccine in finger quotes anyway, because yes. everybody well, who gets a vaccine. Well, that's the term everybody uses. So yeah, we I know. Everybody, you, you get it's like Kleenex, guys. When yeah, we come you know, back, exactly. i got a follow-up question to Roger, just so you know. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, we, we continue through this lively discussion. We continue to remind you folks, we can multitask. We can debate Dr. Fauci, and we can stop abortion, save babies' lives. And that's what I ask all of you to do right now. Donate to Preborn. Remember, $280 stops 10 abortions, everybody. That's 10 babies' lives that you're responsible for by donating $280 to Preborn so that they can show ultrasound images. They can pay for ultrasound images of expectant moms in crisis pregnancy centers all across the country to be able to see those ultrasound images of their babies. They let their babies live, uh, but it takes money for us to do this. So will you right now, if you have not already, will you right now donate that $280? And hey, if you could do more, some of you, God has blessed you, and you could do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. Okay, what a great legacy. Some of you, maybe you run a business, you can afford $15,000 to buy an ultrasound machine for preborn, and then you're responsible for saving thousands of babies' lives. Whatever you can do, but at a minimum, the 280 for 10 babies' lives, it's all a tax write-off for you, and 100% of your donation goes right to fund ultrasounds, not a penny for overhead. So do this. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and you can donate right there online. Or you can call by phone, and they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 833-850-BABY. All right? Look, Preborn saved the lives. Stopped. Stopped nearly 44,000 abortions last year. That's how many babies' lives were saved through preborn. And along the way, there were just under 8,000 decisions for Jesus Christ among these moms. So seriously, call them right now, 833-850-BABY. Let's save some babies' lives. Uh, talking about Dr. Fauci. And so, Neil, uh, you had a question you wanted to pose to Roger. Uh, no, it's just kind of a follow-up, very similar kind of question to what Roger asked, and that would be that let's assume that billions of dollars went into the early research, this gain-of-function research and whatever they were doing with this virus, um, so that they could be working on a vaccine in advance, be prepared in case something like this, by chance, ever got released on the general public, uh, which in the end would generate trillions of dollars in revenue for the vaccine. And then they're just going to sit on it and say, well, thankfully, you know, 50 years later, uh, the uh, the virus never came to be. Therefore, we never made our trillions of dollars. What's the chance that somebody on purpose, once they realized that they had a vaccine, that they could claim to the American people and the world, literally, that was going to, you know, be the savior to help us from keep keep us from dying as a result of getting the uh, getting the uh, virus at some point went ahead and, and released this thing so that so that they could make their trillions of dollars. I don't believe for a second that there wasn't coordinated effort in this. I don't think it was a, a mistake by any means at all. I just don't believe that. So you're thinking uh, Bill Gates, Pfizer, Moderna, they're working with Wuhan Lab, the Chinese well, government, to say sure let's sounds, make ourselves a bunch of money? 
Sure sounds conspiratorial, right? But I mean, on the other hand, just within a matter of a few months, or maybe they already had it prepared and just did, didn't choose to roll it out for a few months, who knows? But the reality is they've been working on it. Well, then the only thing you really need is a pandemic to be able to make your trillions of dollars. So let's go ahead, flip the switch, let's start the pandemic and let's start making some money. I, it's hard not to believe that, isn't it? It well, sounds a in, little bit conspiratorial, but how well, do you see that, Roger? In light, especially in light of the fact that we keep seeing the now settled science medical as we've talked about here, about how few children get infected with this. And when they do, uh, the mortality rate is exponentially low. And yet here's the Washington Post and New York Times this morning saying they're about to get emergency approval to jab everybody over the age of 12. You know, or, or here in California, they're trying to make it five. I mean, you know, it's, it's ridiculous right. how, how there's this big push. If it is not necessary. And the only reason that seems to make sense is we've got extra doses. What was the uh, the Moderna guy or whatever the other day was on a talk show saying, look, we got 30 million doses of this stuff that we're going to have to toss because no one's using them. No one wants them. No one wants their follow-up. No one wants their booster. And let's face it, Big Pharma has gotten us as a culture to the point where we don't treat disease to try to cure it. We treat symptoms to try to maintain it. And so it's That's like, right. here, take this rheumatoid arthritis medication for the rest of your life. Didn't Fauci get his start? I mean, coming to prominence when HIV was first being foisted upon the culture, it just magically just started appearing. And all of a sudden it started, you know, happening in the gay community. And next thing you know, what were we all doing? Remember, no one sat on toilet seats. People weren't shaking hands, wash your hands 15 times because we were afraid we we're going to get HIV. I mean, they use kind of the same playbook to roll this thing out. And so I think to Neil's point, my cynical self says, absolutely, create the crisis, you know, then cr come up with a solution. And oh, by the way, it's an election year. We'll kind of force Trump's hand to go along with it to see if, you know, because we're all in lockstep here. We want to be, quote unquote, safe and protected. And uh, it, it, it was a globalized type of thing. So, I mean, we're seeing the, the aftermath of that now. We've got three of the four of us have had COVID. A uh, couple, one vaccinated, the other two not. And, you know, COVID's here. I was just in Texas over the weekend visiting my kids who just moved there from escaping the People's Republic of California. And it was nice to be on the plane, you know, where uh, we all traveled now since we haven't had to have the mask mandate. The flight attendant spent five minutes on the plane trying to explain why they're, they're sorry that there's no longer a mask mandate. And, and if you want to wear one, it's okay. And we shouldn't shame people who do or don't. And, you know, basically we don't want any fistfights. And I thought, God, is this what we've come to as a nation? I mean, mm -hmm. I was going from California that had one of the highest uh, jab rates in the country, but also had a high infection rate to Texas that didn't have a state mandate that had the exact same rate per 100,000 people of infections, infection reports and also hospitalizations and deaths. I mean, the, the name of the game here for me was government control versus you know the actual uh, stopping the spread. And I, my question for Dr. Fauci would just be one, why did you spend so much time telling people about masks and separation and vaccines and, and not any time at all on prevention and treatment. I mean, for crying out loud, there, there was no treatment until the vaccine showed up, and they still don't like to admit that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and Z-Packs and stuff were effective forms of treatment. I mean, Fauci, they really did not, didn't take a holistic right. approach to this. Yeah, Fauci is about pushing an agenda. He's not about following the science. If he, was, if he was about following the science, then he would be calling for gay bars to be shut down right now yeah. because of monkeypox. He doesn't need right? to follow it. He is the science, Bob. Yeah, you know, yeah. what am I yeah. thinking? Hey, John, let and me get your, your uh, thought on this uh, kind of as we as we wind this down, though. The conspiratorial line. Here's what's kind of weird. It, it seems like uh, uh, Neil and Roger are going more conspiratorial than, than I would uh, go here. I don't I don't tend to think that uh, Fauci and Bill Gates and Pharma and and uh, China and Xi Jinping all sat down, twirled their mustaches, and concocted this plan. But I think what's happened here is the Rahm Emanuel syndrome of never let a good mm -hmm. crisis right. go to waste. The Wuhan lab, they manufactured this thing through gain of function, whether it uh, got leaked accidentally or whether it was leased, uh, released on purpose by the Chinese government as a potential bioweapon or whatever the, the motive is. I think that Fauci over here was like, oh man, that's exactly what I need on a silver platter. And he exploited it mm -hmm. in a way that he didn't exploit it as much with HIV, but now was a chance for us to usher in a new Marxist age here. And so I think he exploited it and all the like-minded people just went along with it. So I think this was a Rahm Emanuel situation Agree. of never let a good crisis go to waste more than a conspiratorial pre-planning thing. Keep in mind what I was going to say earlier too that everybody has to remember is how long he's been in government and how many of these, Bob, to your point, not the first pandemic that we've had, but I think Fauci right. through each one of those 
learned exactly what he himself could do to make matters either worse for the country or better for himself, if you would. I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy drunk on power, literally. I mean, look look at the way he acts. He is completely drunk on power. He's the little dictator is what I used to call him. Satan's brother, actually, I think is probably a better word for him. I mean, this guy is as evil as evil gets. I do believe he learned from all of the, the things that happened in the past. Some would call them mistakes. I think he would look at it and say each one of those was a learning lesson for what I could do in the future. And frankly, guys, I feel like when that opportunity arose, he took advantage. And, you know, again, I, I believe with you, Bob, I don't think there's any conspiracy here whatsoever. He didn't get everybody together and say, okay, I see this coming. I think we can do this when it arrives. No, no, no. He started that wheel in motion and everybody else just jumped on board. All right. Well, I know you're getting ready to start your... Um Dr. Fauci fan club. Oh, so. that guy. This guy should go to prison for the rest of his life. Well, I'll tell you what. We will see. He's killed re- more people, guys, than any other dictator probably known to mankind has. Well, I'll tell you I what. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. Look at the numbers and tell me I'm wrong. I, I, I'll tell you what. The best way to flush this out, whether that's hyperbole or whether that's accurate, uh, what better way to flush this out than congressional investigations and hearings? Exactly. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's find there out what go. it is. And if that's exaggerated, then let's find that out. If it's not exaggerated, let's find that out. Uh, but if the Republicans do get back control of the House and or Senate, they better, better, better have the backbone to start launching some of these investigations, not just into Fauci, the COVID origins, but also certainly the Mar-a-Lago raid, the, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the weaponizing of these organizations against political opponents and blah, blah, blah. So there is a lot of work that Republicans need to do if they get back power this fall. A very interesting discussion, guys. And uh, folks, we appreciate all of you listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast as well. Don't forget, you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Apple. We welcome your five-star reviews. You can also listen at crawfordmediagroup.net. Go to crawfordmediagroup.net and you can look look up past episodes, listen to them as well. If you'd like to watch video of this podcast, you can watch that at myhopenow.com. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit. And uh, guys, great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next week. You too. Likewise. Have a great week. Thanks, Thanks guys. You bet. Takes care. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.